What drives you? What inspires you? Let's ignite your why. Welcome to Ignite Your Why podcast. I'm your host, Austin T. Gully, and we're here to have genuine conversations with authentic people to help amplify their voice and figure out what ignites their why. Today, we have Jamie Smith. He was born and raised in central Kentucky. He's a Kentucky alum where he studied marketing and is currently the president and publisher of the Cincinnati Business Courier. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Austin? Thanks I'm, for having me. I'm good. I'm tired. Living my best life, like I always say. So let's just get straight into this. What is your story? Who is Jamie Smith? Sure. It's a, it's a tricky question. Uh, you know, I, as you said, I grew up in central Kentucky. I was uh, a son of a farmer. I uh, lived on a thousand acre farm. So uh, I learned very early the, uh, uh, the real meaning of work uh, because we worked uh, from four in the morning, sometimes till nine or ten at night, uh, even in the summers and stuff. But yeah, so I spent... Uh, from birth to um, when I was a sophomore in high school, living on a farm. Uh, you know, I knew probably at a pretty young age that I was not going to be a farmer and that I was going to get out of the small town that I lived in. And uh, so I had my sights set on college, uh, got to the University of Kentucky, um, you know, right out of high school, was there for four years, met um, the, the woman that was going to be my wife, that was my wife for many years. Uh, she was from Northern Kentucky, so that's what brought me to Northern Kentucky, and I've been here since 1985. Uh, so, you know, I started out, you know, there, uh, came here, and my love has always been, my passion has always been journalism uh, and just the media business. Uh, so I spent uh, my first few years here in Cincinnati working for a community newspaper, and then um, kind of made the, ju the jump up and worked for the, the Cincinnati Inquirer for about 11 years, uh, all in sales and advertising and got into management there as well. And then left uh, the Inquirer um, when the publisher of the Business Courier came to me and said, hey, I've got a, I'd love to have you on my team, lead my sales team. Uh, so I went there, I did that for uh, eight years. And then uh, since 2003, um, I'm sorry, since 2011, I've been the publisher and running the, the, the paper, the, you know, our entire media operation here in Cincinnati. That's actually really cool. Uh, but I would have never imagined you being this farm boy. Because, like, one, you don't have a country accent. Right. And you just don't present yourself as yeah. a country person. You know, I think it's all, you know, you transition through life, right? And, you know, you know, when you ask, say your story, your story changes so, so, so much through life. And, I mean, I know, like I said, I always wanted to get off the farm. It was never my passion, never my dream. You know, my brother, on the other hand, loved it, still loves it. You know, he lives on a horse farm and uh, raises and breeds horses in, in, in Kentucky. Uh, but me, I needed to be out, you know, and I went to UK and then I moved up here. I uh, lived in Fort Thomas for 26 years, was married and had uh, three kids that are all now adults and, and grown on their own. Um, you know, so I think you change, you know, and I, I don't think I ever intentionally tried to lose the accent. But if I go home to my, you know, my dad's house, if I'm there for more than two days, my accent starts to change. I mean, I slip right back into that Southern It's so accent. easy, though, <laughs> because, like, I remember in high school going to a baseball tournament and just being around country for a whole day. <laughs> and you come back and you just have this little country swing. And it's like, oh. Yeah. 
embarrassing not embarrassing because like <laughs> i guess like it's just different because right. like when you come back to the city and they're like why are you talking like that right <laughs> right I, nobody thinks they have an accent till they hear somebody else talk and they're like wow like that's crazy <laughs> it is very crazy so like yeah. I guess, like, the funny thing is, like, when I, like, the only thing I remember from that baseball tournament is someone asked me where I was from. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, we're from, like, Northern Kentucky, like, Cincinnati. And they were like, y'all are from Flatland. <laughs> and I had no clue what she meant. I was like, what is Flatland? Like, can you, like, explain that? And she was like, yeah, like, out here, all we see is the mountains from like where you are, y'all see the sky. I was like, oh, <laughs> got it. So like, I will never forget that. Like I live in Flatland. So like, if y'all didn't know what that was, like now you do. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So you mentioned how like you've been passionate about journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of leads me into my next question is like, what inspires you? But more important, what ignites your why? Sure. You know, I, I, I found, a, um, I think, the passion for, for journalism when I was in high school. And as a child, my mom worked at a newspaper her entire life. So I always saw a little piece of it. And once I got into high school, I started, like, helping out on uh, sales efforts of, like, special sections they would do or whatever. And it started to, you know, get me excited about, number one, a job, and number two, about what am I going to do in life. Uh, so when I graduated, I didn't really, or when I went to college, I didn't really know if that's where I wanted to go you know, if that's what I wanted to do. But as I started to take classes, you know, and I thought maybe more of a business angle, like an accounting or something like that. And as I took those classes, I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Yeah. No, no, and I took my me. marketing classes and I'm like, you know, I like this. I like why, you know, I like helping people. I like, you know, affecting outcomes of people. And um, so I, I knew I wanted to major in marketing, which I did. And that was my, my degree. And then to be honest, I was still, when I graduated, if you would have asked me in 1985, what do you want to do? I wasn't sure. You know, I knew I had a degree. I knew I was going to move to Cincinnati or the Cincinnati area. And um, I just started interviewing and I just kind of got lucky that um, a small community paper here in Northern Kentucky, the Recorder Newspapers, had an opening. And uh, so I interviewed and got the job and uh, started there. Worked for about four years and really liked what I was doing. Um, you know, as it some people will look at sales in any any light as a, you know, you know, uh, nothing against car dealers, but they look at you as a used car seller, salesman. Uh, to me, sales is, is all about finding out how you can help somebody, you know, whether it's helping them individually or whether it's helping their company, whether their growth. Uh, and that's what that's been the, the bright part for me. Uh, never thought I'd be sitting in the desk where I am now as a publisher. You know, the publisher's job of a paper is to run everything. You're in charge of the editorial. You're in charge of the revenue. You're in charge of making sure the paper gets printed. You're in charge of making sure the website's up and running. Um, So it was a little more than I thought I would ever do, uh, but I love it. Um, A big part of what I do now in that role is to connect people in the Cincinnati business community. You know, my kids, uh, they always laugh if they're out with me and we go to dinner or we go shopping or we go anywhere. They're like, can we go somewhere that you're going to not stop and talk to somebody? <laughs> That's how I feel with my dad. I'm just like, dad, you know, everyone. I think it's a dad thing. Like it has to be yeah. because literally we could go to Kroger anywhere and he'll see someone and he'll talk yeah. forever. It's a dad thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad on it. It's yeah. a dad thing. Well, I think, I think you're right. And, and I think part of it too is, you know, I, 
and this will get to my why and what ignites my why. But as I said, one of the things I love about people, and I think most people that know me well would say, I'm always more worried about other people than I am myself. Um, you know, and I think um, in my role now, you know, I, I'm always connecting people. And like, I'll have people's children call me and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Would you, do you know somebody at Western Southern? You know somebody at Fifth Third? I'm like, sure, you know, I can connect you. And, and I like that, you know, I mean, that makes me feel good. I never feel like I'm doing somebody a favor. I never feel like it's, it's out of line. I feel like I'm helping somebody grow, you know, right. whether it's again in their business or whether it's their personal life. And I think that's what's always inspired me. And I, you know, people have asked me why, why do you feel that way? Why do you want to do that? And I, I always go back to my mom. You know, my mom was that type of person. Um, you know, when she died, uh, she died at a pretty young age at 61 you know, I rem I'll never forget, uh, you know, going to her, her visitation and her service. And I mean, it literally was from the time the funeral home opened one day till the funeral the next day that there was a line of people coming in. And everybody that I talked to, and a lot of them I knew because it's a small town, and I'd been gone for a long time, but I still knew the families. Um, every one of them said the same thing. She was the person that wanted to help. And I think that's kind of what I, what I get out of it. I mean, you know, I say sometimes... You know, somebody say you sacrifice your own happiness sometimes to make sure somebody else is happy. And I said, but then I'm not sacrificing my happiness because I help make somebody happy. And and again, you know, there's times where you can't, you know, you can't you can't push your life aside to do it for someone else. But that's the big part of me and and kind of who I am. Um, you know, I think when I dig deep into you know what ignites my why, I kind of have to go back. As I said, I I was raised on a farm. I was um, I was one of those guys, and if you go back to your high school or your, or your elementary school even, I was never the popular guy. I was never the kid that was picked on, but I was kind of the guy that was friends with anybody and everybody. So on any given day, who knows where I was going to be or who I was going to be hanging out with. But I never truly felt like I belonged in any of those groups. Yeah. You know, I was just always in a, you know, I'm here. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm here. Like, <laughs> I don't really fit with this group or that group, but like... Right. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. And, and they all accept me and they all talk to me and I, I seem to be friendly with all, all of them. But my, I, I just never felt like I had a click or a, you know, a place in life that was mine. And I didn't know why. I really didn't know why. And, you know, as I went to college, you know, started dating a, a young lady. We dated all through college, four years of college, got married. We graduated in May of uh, that year, got married that July. And we... Um, from that point, went, um, moved to Fort Thomas. Three years later, started our family. You know, as I said, we had three kids and lived a good life. I mean, my kids were all into sports, you know, football, baseball, soccer, whatever it was, we were, they were playing it. And uh, as you get to that point in your life, it kind of takes over your life. You know, you have your job and then you go home at night and you do your kids. Right. You know, whether I was coaching one of the teams, whether I was the booster president of the soccer club, or I was, you know, on a, a site-based school council, I was always doing something with the kids. And I think as time went on through that life, and as the kids grew up, I started to realize again, I was kind of back in that spot again. Okay, my boys are leaving for college, or both of them had gone to college. My daughter's 15, doesn't really want to do a whole lot with dad on a reg, right? You know, I don't, I don't have a me again. You know, I have my job, but I don't have the soccer. I don't have this to, to participate in. What am I going to do with my life? And that's when I really dug deep and, and 
looked deep inside me and I could, I found out why I wasn't happy. I knew I didn't need to be married. Uh, and you know, to make it even more dramatic, I knew that I was gay and that I needed to make a choice. And it was a choice that I never felt like I could truly make before. And uh, people will still ask me to this day, well, what happened that made you think you could do it? And I'm like, well, you know, it just finally got to a point that our marriage was, you know, it wasn't a bad marriage. We, you know, we didn't fight. We didn't, you know, have issues like that. We just weren't what a married couple should be. Yeah. And uh, one day she said something to me like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, you know what? There's nothing we can't do. And I told her why right then. I, you know, I left that night and, uh, you know, we, you know, we had the divorce and I've been out on my own now for almost 12, almost uh, eight years, yeah, almost nine years. And, um, you know, I now have a, a partner, live life to the fullest. Uh, don't hide it. You know, I, I tell people all the time, um, a, a good friend of mine said to me, Jamie, in, in this life, and especially in Cincinnati, you need to be proud of who you are but not loud on who you are. And I kind of took that deep into my heart as like, what does that really mean? Be proud, but not loud. Because, you know, there's a part of, uh, of being, whether you're, you know, whether you're talking gay, straight, whether you're talking white, black, whether you're talking whatever, to be proud, you know, you got to yell it out and tell everybody. But what I found is I, I don't have to, you know. People are going to accept me for who I am one way or the other. And, you know, why I don't come out and say, Hey, I'm Jamie. I'm gay. You know, <laughs> if they if I say, "Hey, I'm Jamie," and they'll say, "Well, how about your wife?" I'm like, "Well, I don't have a wife. You know, I have a partner." And the conversation is fine, and it and it's it's done me well. You know, I mean, nobody's. I've had no disrespect. Uh, it's not hurt me in the business world. Some people said, "Should you keep that quiet in Cincinnati? Is that going to hurt you?" And I'm like, "No." And so, so kind of a long story there. And sorry, I kind of rambled a little bit, but. I think what that really did for me was it really figured out my why was be who you should be in this life. Um, and I had spent, you know, way too long in my life being somebody else. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of have to be careful when I say something like that, because I never want my children or even my ex-wife to say, you know, this was a lie. This was not who you wanted to be or where you wanted to be. At the time, it's where I wanted to be. And I would not change anything that I had in my life. And, uh, you know, I've got three great kids that I have great relationships with. And uh, it's just been, you know, so much better being really who you should be in this life. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense. And, like, that's a crazy, like, story. Because, <laughs> like, when you think about it, like, someone's always told me, it's just, like, live your truth. When you speak your truth, you're living your truth. And that's all that really matters. I'm kind of like you in the sense of like putting others before mm -hmm. me because I do it all the time. I feel like I talked about it in my episode where I care so much about other people that I will literally drop and push everything right. aside to help someone else. But like in your sense, like it's bringing you happiness where for me, I'm like suppressing like everything I'm going through. Yeah. So it keeps I don't me, have to deal with this. Yeah. Like it keeps, me, it keeps me busy. It keeps me busy. Yeah. Uh, so like for me, it was like a, a negative like coping mechanism but i still enjoy helping other people right the one thing that i i want to talk about is like you talked about sales most people think of sales and they're like i'll never do that especially like after like being in grad school and going through a sport administration program when they mentioned sales like everyone in our classes was like yeah like no and you got to start somewhere but like your take on sales is completely 
completely different. And yeah. I like that. Could you talk a little bit more about that like mindset and sure. how that works for you? Sure. You know, I, I, I tell my, you know, I've got a, a team of sales reps that, that work for me now. And I tell them when they say I'm going on a sales call, I'm like, no, you're not. You're going on a call to see somebody and see if we can help them. See if, you know, if our needs are going to meet what their, our want, you know, what we have is going to meet what their needs are. And I just have always felt like, you know, even if I'm selling you this phone right here, you know, I'm, I'm not really selling you this phone. You obviously need to talk to people. You need to get on apps. You need to connect to people. You know, so I'm feeling a need for yours. And not all the time am I going to fill your need. I mean, that phone might be too expensive. It might be too cheap. It may not be whatever you need. That's the way our, our, our products are. They're not going to be a fit for everyone. And I, to me, a salesperson, if you just say I'm selling, then all you're doing is, you know, you're selling a physical product. You don't have any other concerns in the world. And I think but when you go into it on a more of a consulting basis, I'm going in to see what your needs are. Because, I, I mean, if any of my reps were here right now, they would tell you, you know, don't you dare give somebody, go, go on a first call and give somebody a proposal. You go and find out who they are, what they want, what they need, and then come back and figure out how we can help them. Because you don't know going in what they need. You might think you know what they need, but you don't. You know, and I think that, again, kind of goes back to who you are. You, you know, for a long time, I thought I knew who I was. But until I truly discovered who I was, I didn't know what I could do to fit that need. That's so interesting. <laughs> and it just changes everything. The yeah. way everything that I'm doing right now in life and like business wise, it just makes you like take a step back and really look at things differently. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna take your words and actually run with them. Well, good. <laughs> and just always just tell people, think about what you want the end game to be. What's your end game gonna be? And that doesn't mean that end game is gonna be in a week, a month, even five years. You know, but think about where you want to end and then just do what you gotta do to get there. And I kind of feel like sales is that same way. What is their end game? What is the one thing they want? Do they want more customers or do they just want more people to know who they are? Do they want people to know where they are? Or is there a specific service that they have that nobody else has that's going to differentiate them? And that's kind of what you look for. You just keep digging to find out what, what they have that no one else has or what they have that you really want to you know, tell the world about. And it just makes sales so much more fun. You know, um, consulting, you know, I always say you're not a salesman, you're a consultant. Uh, and, and my reps, you know, I've got two very young ladies on our team now, uh, pretty much right out of college. One had had like a year of a, a, a kind of sales experience. The other one came right out of UC. And it's so exciting to me to see them because they have no bad experience in their life. You know, I mean, they, they've had no, well, I sold for this company I hated. They just came right into us. And I could teach them kind of, we could teach them kind of the way to do what we do. And they're both excelling so well. And it makes me feel so good. That's super exciting. I don't know if you remember, but I actually came and was a guest lecturer in your class when you were doing your your, uh, master's. And I I can remember you because um, I I think that we gave you guys a project to where you had to pitch something to a high school for a a football season. And I remember you were, your group was really trying to pitch this idea that didn't make a lot of sense. And you kept challenging them. You're like, but why would we do that? <laughs> you know, why would this car dealer, I think it was a car dealer. It was a car dealer. Yeah. yeah. You know, why would he want, you know, this is what he wants. And so you were selling right then because it wasn't about, hey, I'm just going to go sell this guy at $5,000, $10,000 sponsorship. You're like, how am I going to get this guy to give me money? But at the end of the day, he's going to be happy that he gave me the money. So I, I can that, remember that. <laughs> I think it helps like with like 
just my knowledge and just like connecting with people. I always am a firm believer that knowledge is power. Uh, so the more knowledge you have, the more powerful you can be. Uh, so I'm always listening and trying to learn no matter what I'm doing. Uh, I, it's kind of why like I stand back. Like I don't really like speak out a lot because I'm observing and I'm listening yeah. and learning. So you, you sound a lot like, uh, well, like me. Uh, none of you have ever heard of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a uh, kind of like a, a, I don't even want to say it's a test or a survey, but is you take a survey. Test? Yes. And it tells what you are. Are you a two? I'm a nine. A nine? Nines and twos are very similar. I think I'm a two. Yeah. I I literally just like was recording with someone the other day and they mentioned this test. Yeah. And I she's like, it makes sense. You're a feeler. Like, yeah. 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 Nines and two do a lot of the same things. They may do them for different reasons. Like you said before, you don't do it because it's making you super happy. You're doing it because it keeps you from thinking about the other stuff in your life that you're, yeah. you're dealing with. But uh, that has been uh, amazing to find that out. I mean, I would, I would encourage you or any listener to check into the Enneagram because my career coach that I used that talked to me into doing it has changed my life, both professionally and personally, because it really helps you understand what other people are like. And, oh, they're a two. This is why. <laughs> and, and not necessarily that you need to know what they are, but it helps you because you know how they like to receive things. And, like, if I go to one of my person on my management team and say this, they're going to react to one way. But if I go to somebody else, they're going to react a different way. So by knowing their numbers, I kind of know how to deliver something to them so they both get the same message. Kind of plays into emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Understanding Absolutely. other people and how they operate. I took one class in college and I absolutely fell in love with yeah. it. Uh, Jeff Gurton from NKU was the professor and it was leading with emotional intelligence. Yeah. And I think that is the one class from undergrad that like literally stuck with me. It's the one that I loved and like it had an impact because yeah. it helped me grow professionally and personally and not many classes do that. Yeah. So kind of just want to hop into the next section sure uh, so everything that was going on in today's world like 2020 was crazy uh in a number of ways uh but even now in 2021 like things aren't back to like right. normal whatever normal is right <laughs> so like my question for you is like how have you just been taking care of yourself sure yeah i i, I will use two different two different scenarios here two different ways one is just trying to get my health in line and keep it in line. Uh, I was doing a great job pre-pandemic. And then, of course, when the pandemic came and you're in your house all day, I'm working from home. I don't leave my house. You know, I'm, I was 10 steps away from the kitchen. So you were always eating. And it just got to a point where I knew that I had made some bad decisions. And I had kind of stopped working out. And uh, my trainer, God love her. You know, she just reached back out to me one day and said, Jamie, you know, hey, haven't seen you for a while. What do you think about coming back? And I'm like, yeah, I know I should. And I said to her, I said, I'm in a really bad place. And it wasn't, you know, when I said it was a bad place, it was a mental bad place. It was a healthy bad place. It was just I was tired of the shutdown. I was tired of working from home. I'm like you. I need people in my life. Right. We just need to be around people all the time. Um, so she said, you know, come back. And I'm like, all right, I will. So I started going back and I go to her three times a week. We do it. She has a TRX studio in Covington and uh, we work out, uh, you know, like I said, three, sometimes four times a week. Uh, I was there this morning, 545. So uh, it's, uh, it, but, it, but I find it just refreshes me. 
you know, I'm tired and I'm sore as you know what, when I get out of there sometimes, but it, it just keeps my body and mind, I think, connected. The other, other way I do is again, I mentioned my career coach, Denny has a, a group. Um, it's a group of CEOs, male CEOs that are in the, in the city. And we meet once a month together. And then I meet once a month with Denny, my coach, uh, individually. And what I really like about that is it gives me the vision to see out of, you know, eight, nine other guys, how they handle things. So if I'm having a problem or I'm having an issue, I can bring it to the team, to the group, you know, to that month and say, you know, guys, I'm trying to do this. Here's how I'm handling it. What would you guys do? And because they're all different types, you know, there's, I'm the only nine in the group. There's a lot of sevens, but they'll, they'll give you their view. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is how I would have perceived that if you did it. And we just talk through it. And then, you know, again, once a month, I'll meet with her on my own and we'll just kind of talk through how you feeling, you know, what's your, your outlook on the world? Um, you know, are you, are you hanging in there? And so between that, the mental workout with her and the group and the physical workout, I think it's kept me healthy. Um, you know, that and my little French bulldog, he keeps me pretty happy too. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love dogs. Dogs are amazing. I literally just had to spend like almost $250 yesterday on my puppy. Yeah. I tell my kids that dogs are cheaper than kids, but they're still expensive. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was like, I don't get paid till tomorrow, but I guess I can put this on my credit card. Like, (laughs) that's crazy. I feel it, though, because, like, I have been trying to work out more. Uh, I've noticed that, like, it's really hard for me to work out in the evening. Because, like, once I go to work and I get off work, I'm just like, do I really want to go to the gym? Sometimes I have to force myself, um, but I'm probably going to work out like later on today yeah. uh, just because it's like, it's yeah, I have time. to do it in the morning. Oh, like I, I did it one morning. And I was like, this is amazing. Like no one's at the gym. Like, this is great. Yeah. And then I was like, but it's so early. I got there at like 530. And I was like, yeah, this is not normal <laughs> for me. We do early. We do uh, 645 classes on Tuesday, Thursday and 545 class on Friday. And tomorrow I get to sleep in. It's a nine o'clock class, but uh, I find it gets me up and it gets me going. Right. I think it just makes you feel you just better feel about so yourself. So much better. Right? Like I felt amazing that day. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is great. And then I don't know. Like I'm just like, I go to bed super late. Yeah. So like I go to bed around like one or two. So yeah. like trying to wake up at like six to go to the gym is like impossible. So I feel like I have to try to like think of impossible shouldn't be the word I should say challenging challenge is a great is word a better word challenge is a I great word it's a mindset so i'm just gonna have to like either figure out like if i can go to the gym come home and shower take a nap yeah. and then go to work because <laughs> yeah. my job doesn't open till like 10 30 yeah. it's like my starting shift so yeah. that's a blessing yeah um, i think the biggest thing that i'm taking out of this pandemic and as you said we're not out of it yet but we are starting to get back to some sort of normal is just people should talk you know don't you know, I, and I know there's a lot of people, I've got people on my team that live alone. You know, they work all day alone. They're used to being out in front of people all the time. You know, we have event when we're at work in the real world, you know, we have events almost every, you know, at least two a week. So at night we're out just chilling away with people and, and uh, really networking through the crowds. Well, now they're all alone, you know, and, and some people haven't done a good job of talking about that and saying, hey, I, I need something. And I don't care if that's, you know, you can Zoom somebody or whatever, but 
you know, some of these guys don't feel safe to go out because, you know, one of the guys is older on my team and until he got a shot, he didn't feel good going out of his house. But I think just talk about it. You know, I say to people all the time, tell people your feelings. Don't keep it inside because that's that's the heart. I know it's it's hard, it's hard sometimes, sometimes to let it out. Yeah. But when you think about it, once you finally do, and I think with my story, once I finally let it out, it felt so much better. It's like a sense of relief. Yeah. But it's also scary because I'm the type of person where if I'm talking to you about my feelings, I feel like I'm bothering that person. Whereas like, yeah. but I have been getting better at like saying like, okay, like today's not my day. Like yeah. I'm just not feeling it. Like today's been rough. But I think that comes along with like me going to therapy yeah. and like just talking like with my therapist and kind of figuring out my coping mechanisms yeah. and kind of just being like, okay. Well, and I too, I found a group of people uh, that I surround myself with. And it, it's kind of interesting because people will see us all together or somebody will hear about, hey, you all went to Italy together a couple summers ago. That's a weird group. How did you end up with them? I, I don't really know how we all, one of them was your, your teacher, you know, Jackie Rose. She's in our group. And these people mean so much to me. And and there's there's a, a select group of those that are in a group that we call the Breakfast Club. And we meet monthly. And, um, you know, it, it's great, great because we go to that breakfast and it's not about business. It's not about here's my agenda. It's about let's talk. You know, it may be personal. You know, one of the guys just had a baby. You know, uh, another friend of mine works for the arts. Well, Todd, you know, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's had the roughest year of his life with, you know, no performances. Your entire life as you know it's gone. It gives us that opportunity to just talk about what we want and know that the other six people in that room are not going to judge you. No matter what, even if they disagree with you, they're not going to judge you. They'll, they'll tell you what their thought is, but they're not going to judge you. And that, that to me is, is just big. It's like a little detox. Absolutely. Absolutely. A, month, a monthly detox. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you have a brother or a sister and you talk about your parents, you know, you've got somebody that you can vent with <laughs> and they understand you. You know, so find that group of people, um, you know, let's say that to anybody. So important to your your uh, mental health is to have those people that you can, they'll be your cheerleaders. You know, they'll be, they'll be, um, you know, confrontational at times. Jimmy, you shouldn't do that. I would do this or I would think about doing this. And you need that sometimes, right? Because you're going to, you're going to go down the wrong path right. sometimes. Sometimes you just like want to like just not talk about anything work yeah. related or business related. And I'm just like, people always ask me, how's this? I don't want to talk about it. Like, <laughs> I'm not at work. Like I do not want to talk about right. it. So like, I have one more question mm-hmm. for you before we kind of like wrap things up. Um, so you work in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So with life changing and like everything kind of going digital and like social media, how has that really impacted your guys' work? Because I'm you know, curious. Yeah, it's we. I always like to say our company is smart company. Uh, we're owned by a company out of Charlotte called American City Business Journals. We have 40 papers across the country. But I tell people all the time, I'm not a. I don't work at a newspaper anymore. I work at a media company because we have a digital presence. You know, we have 24/7 coverage on our website. We have two um, emails that I send out every business day that tells you the top stories of the day. Um, we have events, you know, we do a lot of events that we do. So there's so much that we do outside of that paper, but I, I will say to you, and I'm very proud to say this in 2020, even with the pandemic, we saw 11% growth in the number of people subscribing to our paper. We're at an all time high of people that want to get my print paper. Now, some of them also will get it and they'll read the digital version only, but they still get that paper. And, um, you know, I look at some of my, I mean, I told you I worked at the Inquirer. 
they've gone through a lot of changes. I've seen a lot of my good friends laid off, furloughed, you know, basically forced into retirement or forced to look at other jobs. And uh, I say the the big difference, we kind of, um, we didn't react. You know, we were proactive about what we were going to do. We never really gave away all of our stuff on the web. You know, early on in the days before you were born, when the web was created, we didn't give that stuff away for free. You had to be a subscriber to get a lot of it. And that's, you know, that over time has changed to even there's less and less that's for free on the web. But people haven't reacted to us the way they reacted to, you know, even some of the TV stations' websites. You know, you can only read so many stories before you oh, trust um, me. get kicked off. Cincinnati.com, <laughs> you get like five free right. articles. And I'm just like, I haven't even read five articles. Like, because <laughs> like people will post stuff in like yeah. the FC Cincinnati page. And I'm just like, okay. I want to read this. And then I click on it and it says, you bring it out. I'm like, I haven't even clicked on anything. Well, you know, it's funny. We have uh, uh, what we call the firewall and you can start to read a story or you can try to look up, click on the story and we'll give it to you. And it'll say, you know, hey, in order to read this, you have to be a subscriber. So it's our goal is to convert those readers or wannabe readers to subscribers. And during this past year, we had our largest growth ever because of that. And some of the some of the ways we did that, we did it pretty cheaply. You know, we said, hey, for four weeks, you can do it for four dollars. Pay four dollars and you can have four weeks unlimited. And my fear on something like that was they were never going to retain. We were never going to retain those readers. Well, we retained like 88 percent of those people that paid four dollars the first week. When that four weeks ended, they converted to an annual subscription with us. And that's why we were able to grow by 11 percent. Uh, we lost very few subscribers because people realize, I think, I, and, and, and I shouldn't say I think, I have business owners tell me this all the time is, you guys give me the news that I need to run my business. You tell me what I need to know about the city, the government, you know, businesses, taxes, anything you talk about business-wise, you're going to give me that. And um, it, it's 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 been well for us you know i mean it's been like taking all this down because like i'm trying to open up my bit my own business my own storefront in downtown cincinnati well i will send you a complimentary subscription (laughs) to the business courier we're gonna make you a reader of the courier on a regular basis because i i mean i'm gonna go to my business partner after this and be like listen dude like we got we got some work to do absolutely (laughs) one of the great thing about it is we're you know when when people say a newspaper you think well i'm reading about sports i'm reading the obits i'm reading some fancy feature story we're, we're about connections of businesses and how businesses have grown and how businesses have succeeded and sometimes how they didn't succeed. You know, why didn't they succeed? Especially looking at the restaurant business right now. Right. You know, and there is so much in our paper that will, you know, there's leads, you know, of, of companies that are opening. So there's all kinds of sources for a business owner to help grow his own business. So I'll send you a subscription. Take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> All right. So if people want to continue having a conversation with you about anything we talked about today or just want to know more about like what you do, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, I would probably suggest going to my LinkedIn, you know, just Jamie Smith, you know, uh, again, business courier. You'll see me on there. Um, I, I've had a couple people ask me, you know, do you ever turn somebody down from having coffee or having lunch or just talking to them? I'm like, no. And they're like, why? And some of that a waste of your time. And I'm like, no. You know, if I can help somebody any way possible, it, you know, it will come back to me some way. Either they'll help me out in return or somebody that I've connected them to will help me out because I connected them. So I'm always available. Go to LinkedIn, send me a message. I'll be more than happy to talk. Say that uh, you heard us on this podcast and 
that'll help me, uh, you know, get to you quicker. Listen, guys, the key thing he just said in there, connections. We talk about this almost every single podcast. Make those connections, and I promise you, like, it will help you drastically. Knowing people is probably the best thing I've ever done is networking. Uh, but thank you. You're very welcome. I, I Thanks for having you me. taking your time out and talking. Uh, thank you guys for listening in. Always remember, find your purpose and ignite your life.